Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, crypto traders worldwide. I've got a couple of news bits for you. I have a call that I've got to do at some point today, and then a whole bunch of stuff is happening on the fiat side for me. So I will not spend too much time on this, but I do want to cover a couple of bits and bits and bulbs as it was. Um, and let's start with Terraform's Luna token. You may or may not have been, if you're not on social media, you don't know what I'm talking about, but the Luna token has been skyrocketing lately and has finally tapered off and then it took a dump as is expected. As I've mentioned in previous episodes, you don't want to see significant amounts of just constant upward growth because it creates sell pressure. Sell pressure is what it sounds like when you have so much growth and so much wealth that could potentially be realized from people that were holding the token. Sell pressure basically just means that the number of people that are now going to sell out, and especially if you had whales that bought into the token at some point in the past, then you'll have people that eventually and inevitably will then just sell off and boom, they take the money and then run. It doesn't mean the token won't recover at some level, but it's, it's not easy to sustain significant amounts of growth over a long period of time. That said, I argue the token is still on a strong bullish trend, generally speaking, as a long-term investment. When I say long-term, I'm going to put this guy somewhere around Q3 of 2022 for it to hit the next significant run of the price. So just to kind of give you some background on how this works, because it's part of an ecosystem and how they built it out is a little bit hard to follow, but it's important that you understand and do your own research too, why it was able to grow the way it was able to grow. And all the growth, I would say, arguably was vastly in the month of November the token's been out for a long time, though. It originated back in 2022, I believe it was, 2020, rather. And at the time, of course, it was under a dollar. And nobody really knew what this thing was going to be. Well, then they built the blockchain around it. When you build your own blockchain around it, it does tend to help the price point. But these guys did something different with theirs. So roughly around, I want to say, the November time frame, it started to significantly jump. It was already climbing steadily, but it significantly jumped in November and then had a massive sell-off. There's two things that in play with its price point. First of all, it has a heavily constrained inventory to it. So there's less than a billion tokens in total supply and about half of that in circulation. Because there's still so many in circulation, it means there's a, there's a strong growth potential with it over the next year. And that's why I'm, that's why I'm pegging Q3 ish for it to see where this thing can go. It's market cap though, is in the billions, you know, billions and billions of dollars. Market cap is 24, just under 25 billion with a fully diluted of just under 55 billion. Again, the half, just like with the circulating supply, because there's so much growth potential in the market cap space, it means that the price point is going to move. I'm going to say minimum $100 when it plateaus, possibly could go even higher than this. It's a strong performer to the vein of like a Solana and or Compound, where it does smart sp start small and then it does get to skyrocket. Now, this one is its own coin because it's its own blockchain. So it's not like you're buying it on Ethereum or Binance or anything. It's its own coin. That means you're going to need to buy it from a regular exchange if you want to get it. It is available on a lot of the popular exchanges, including Crypto.com, Binance, the garbage that is Binance US, KuCoin, Huobi, Bitfinex. So you can buy it a bunch of different places, but that's where you would want to get it. Now, this is not one of those coins where you're going to get reflections or any of that kind of stuff. It is there for value, 
gaining value as part of a portfolio, I would put this one in the medium risk area. When I say medium risk, I'm saying that there's a strong profit potential, but it also is going to have a necessary volatility inherent to the sell pressure. So as you hold it, you're going to need to expect that it's going to have wide swaths of up and down. I mean, I'm talking where it could peak up to like $100, $120 and then drop down to like 80 and then go back up. You're going to need to expect that. So if you're one of those that's not a so-called diamond hand and you see those dips, significant dips, and it causes you to sell because you can't set aside the psychology, this isn't the token the coin for you. You want to make sure that you are comfortable with the money you invest as of right now today, and it's going to change probably by the end of the day, but as of right now, you can buy it for less than $70 for one coin. But remember, you can buy fractionals too. In this case, it might make sense to buy a fractional. You could probably buy, you know, let's say $10 worth. It doubles. Okay, you get 20. Okay, you toss another 20 at that. It doubles. Now you got, you know, 40 and then up to 80. So you can stack it that way if you want to. Or if you want, you could just buy full coin. But make sure you're investing in an amount that you're okay losing because, again, it is one of those volatile type assets. It is certainly going to have peaks and valleys. But I do think at some point it is going to plateau likely in next year, Q3. It'll plateau, and then you're going to see a strong, stable part of your investment that you can pretty much rely on. It could go even higher. I doubt it'll go significantly higher than where it's at just because of the way that the mechanics are built. Now, just to talk about how this one works. This one works based on a concept that is similar to how gold used to be with the United States dollar. So in the past, distant past, and I think it was FDR that got rid of this. In the past, every U.S. dollar was basically a promissory note, meaning that it was a promise to pay you at some point later, and it was backed by gold. And as people mined gold, then they would issue new dollars. When the, when the president basically put the edict, said, okay, we're no longer pegging it to gold because it's holding back our ability to generate wealth because the amount of gold you can mine dwindled. We no longer have significant amounts of gold that you can mine in the United States, but they still needed to print money, as it were. And you can go and look at the videos from the Federal Reserve where they talked about you know infinite amounts of cash and all this. That's a byproduct of when we used to have the tie directly to gold, and then they segment separated that. So now... The U.S. dollar is basically, it's no longer a promissory note. It is its own currency, not pegged to anything. With the way that Luna was built, they basically created stable coins, pegged the stable coins to fiat, incentivized trading and buying the stable coins, and then also created an incentive tied to Luna from the stable coin transactions, meaning that as the stable coins, which are generally popular, are being transacted and traded, it benefits the Luna token. Similarly, as people sell out on the stable coins, then the Luna token tends to take a dive. Now, it is a high-risk asset because it supplies $1 billion right now. When, it's, when something happens, they mint through new tokens on the Luna side in order to maintain the stability of the stable coin. Conversely, if the you know token supply goes, if something happens then, and it goes over the supply for whatever reason, which I, the only reason I can think that happened is, is there's some sort of mechanic that would allow minting of the tokens for like an emergency or something. They don't specify this, but this is where the risk lies. If the supply goes over it, it'll level set it back down to that million tokens. 
but they also know that tokens are minted in order to support the stable coin. So think of it this way. The Luna tokens are being used, the Luna coins, I should be fair. Luna coins are being used as the funding conduit for the stable coin. So they are the one, they are, it is what is stabilizing the stable coin. It is acting as the fiat that stabilizes the stable coin. That's why it's a risk because you're dependent upon the stable coin behavior and performance. And then it affects your back end. It's kind of like a hedge fund in a way, um, to some degree. That's not a down point. That's not a bad thing, but it is something that you want to be aware of. If you are considering buying into Luna, just be aware that it is intrinsically linked to the stablecoin set and thus dependent upon the performance of stablecoin and an assumption that stablecoins are going to be a reliable, dependable, constant source of interest. And it will be. The downside is that the United States government has been cracking down heavily on Tether and other coins, stablecoins, because at that point it becomes commodities. And when you have commodities trading, the United States government is concerned because if you're going to say that it's tied to fiat, you have to be able to prove and then be subject to the rules like a bank would be, that you got enough money and liquidity sitting around, you got a one-to-one -one for every single coin that you got, and how are you able to do that when there's constant volatility and that sort of thing. So there's scrutiny even on the Terraform team around the stablecoin part of this that scrutiny might have an impact on the Luna token. That's why I say that it's going to be heavily volatile because they're going to have to figure out how to get out of that scrutiny. And just to tell you why the scrutiny matters for those that are not in the United States, Binance.com at one point allowed United States people to trade in the tool, but because of scrutiny from the United States government around things like Tether and around things like Binance USD, which is their stable coin and others, and the commodity treatments Binance basically said, okay, we're just not going to allow Binance.com. So we're not going to allow U.S. people. We'll spin up this Binance.us that doesn't have those problems. And it's kind of off to the side as a different company to mitigate the risk. A similar thing could happen here if it's not done right. Now, if they're able to solve the problem and they're able to pass the scrutiny from the United States, which is something that Coinbase had to do because Coinbase is involved with Circle, which is involved with the USD coin, which is kind of the the gold standard of stable coins, no pun intended, on the United States side. If they're able to do the same thing, then you have a really strong investment here that could skyrocket after that. Because the only reason that's having such heavy volatility today is simply because of the scrutiny of the United States breathing down their neck about the commodities trading and then the uncertainty about the future of stable coins. Stable coins were the direct target when I gave an update yesterday about the congressional hearings and the fact that they're trying to lock down and protect people they also want to get their money, too, from the IRS. They are looking at stable coins as the easy way to identify where some of this money is being hidden that they're not getting from other sources. So all of which is to say, I'm, I'm telling you, I think it's a solid investment for the long haul. But it also is subject to what's going to happen with regulation. It's subject to what's going to happen with stable coin treatments in the future in the United States. Because as I said... Many other countries tend to do follow the leader about what the United States does with respect to crypto. There are some exceptions, but generally speaking, most of them will look at whatever U.S. decides and say that's the gold standard, even though that's not the right answer often. And it certainly is going to be something where you're designed not to get rich. That's going to be the goal. So Luna's whole build is designed to help you get rich. It's designed to generate wealth in a very smart way. I'm just saying that the governmental 
influences are going to potentially hinder their ability to make that happen. If everything goes like they plan, you have a significant profit potential. If everything doesn't, it's going to tank. I don't think it's going to go significantly like into the tens or twenties, but I can see that it would settle down at a lower price point, somewhere around 50, 60, 70, somewhere around there, which still isn't bad, especially if you had bought in at like a dollar or half a dollar, you know, you're still bankrolling if you believed in the project, but Terraform's an interesting project. I encourage you to take a look at it, see if it's something that makes sense for you. I'm not advocating that you do buy in. I'm telling you to look at it and just understand what's going on with this process and this project and what they're trying to do and see if it makes sense because I do think it's a, it's a bullish signal, assuming that there's not external influences that get in their way. I don't see a reason it can't go to significant, significant heights in the future. And then I'm going to talk about an underdog token. The token I'm going to talk about, I've briefly mentioned before as part of a different one, but I want to just kind of spend a little bit more time talking about, and that's the Polygon slash Matic token. Um, it's a Polygon token, but it still has the name Matic if you're looking for the code M-A-T-I-C. And the reason I'm calling this one out as an underdog token is because of the rise in minting on the Polygon network for NFTs. NFTs are going to be the big thing in 2022. Bank on that for sure. But more and more of these minters are creating it on the Polygon network because you can mint them for free. And that's huge when you talk about Ethereum charging hundreds of dollars in gas fees. People say that ETH 2.0 will solve that problem, but it's still uncertain. And some have speculated that it won't solve the gas problem. And if ETH 2.0 doesn't solve the gas problem, there's logic, no reason not to continue to go to Polygon because Polygon has its own version of the Ethereum token that you can trade on the cheap and then you can convert it in an exchange off to the true Ethereum if you need to use it for you know Ethereum-based projects. That means that there's a lot of wealth that's still yet to be generated and realized on the Polygon network. And I mentioned that a lot of the different developers now looking at Polygon potentially for their tokens as opposed to the Ethereum. Polygon has a hard time of it, the network, because of, there's a lot of scammers. There's a lot of scammers on there. So it doesn't have a lot of the risk protections inherent that you would expect. However, I am calling it out as an underdog that you should look at and possibly add to your portfolio just the Matic token. And you can buy it on like Coinbase or whatnot, but it's not the true token. It's an Ethereum equivalent token. That's not a terrible thing, but you're, there's a different coin that's the one I'm calling out. So you may need to send it to a different exchange like a KuCoin or something to actually get it or Binance US or Binance.com if you're international to get it into the true Matic token, it's coin, the self coin. That's the one you want to kind of hold. Every wallet supports it. It's just that Coinbase, the main exchange does not. So if you're in the United States, I wouldn't trust the one that it shows you. I would buy it from a different exchange where it's actually telling you that it's a coin and it doesn't show you the Ethereum. That's how you know the difference there. But I'm calling it out today specifically because I'm seeing strong price movement for that coin that tells me that it's definitely worth taking a look at for a diverse portfolio, absolutely. And then the other part I'm gonna call out, this one is more on the news side-ish. So for those that don't know about BitPay, BitPay is a payments processing service. And what it says is that you can have tokens that you can receive as a, let's say a podcaster or a seller um, on your, you know, Craigslist or whatnot, you can receive cryptocurrency, you can send cryptocurrency, but it also has its own wallet. And 
BitPay a long time ago used to be known as Copay. And Copay then, it changed form. I think it was bought out, changed form, became BitPay. BitPay has kind of been in the news because they now accept SHIB as a payment option. I want to call out a couple of things about BitPay. I'm not reviewing them. I'm just warning you about a couple of things. BitPay has had some security issues. BitPay has had strong issues managing the code that it's dealing and it's been hacked in the past. And so I'm warning you, I'm not saying not use it. I'm warning you potentially about relying on it as a wallet. So if you are using it for a wallet purpose, I wouldn't, I wouldn't suggest using them for wallet purposes, I guess what I'm getting. It's treated like an exchange. In my mind, it's an exchange. They don't act like an exchange, but in my mind, they're an exchange. They call it a wallet, but it behaves like an exchange. So in my rule, you don't leave money in an exchange. They act like an exchange. I would not leave money there. I would shift it out to your true wallet, whether that's Trust Wallet or Alpha Wallet or whatever other wallet that is not their service. And that's just a public service announcement type warning just to make sure that your funds stay safe because I don't see that they have, it seems like they're taking a longer time to refine what it is that they're doing to secure their their service better to protect the people that's working it. And then the last update I'll cover for this news round is about Bitcoin. So I talked about how the various CEOs, the crypto companies went and they were talking about, you know, how, Hey, you can put regulations, just don't copy paste this over here. This is important because it affected Bitcoin's price. Bitcoin has been perceived for many years to be a hedge off, meaning a, an impedance to inflation that you can invest in it and then you can keep your money safe. That might've been true years ago, but as of right now, I wouldn't say that it's in, that it's helping to impede inflation. It actually is supporting inflation because if you watch Bitcoin's price movement, it's moving very similar to the way the stock market moves. That's by design. I guarantee you it's a strategic effort to get Bitcoin to behave like the stock market and run lockstep with it because what they're doing when I say they I'm talking the the big companies you know the hedge funds and the financial firms and the banks and everybody they're bought into Bitcoin and as they invest in Bitcoin they trade it on the same frequency and with the same types of basis with margins and everything else like they would trade it stock well when they do that it creates a volatility that cannot be controlled because in the crypto world you don't have the same mechanisms as the stock world that would help mitigate wide swaths of variation. If this was all retail traders, people like you and me doing the trades on Bitcoin, you wouldn't see it tank, go from 64,000 tank down to 49,000 and then back up to 55. You wouldn't see that. It would be near impossible. But the truth is, is that you have a lot of big players, big serious players that are invested in Bitcoin. I wouldn't be surprised if some of the mob is invested in Bitcoin they are going to influence it bigger than you because they have bigger bags than you do. So when that happens, you as a low-level trader are more impacted, right? So there's a higher impact on you than it is on them. Let me talk about why that is and how inflation plays a part of this. If you boil down the definition of inflation, like what is inflation? Inflation is at the core. The money you make or the money you have, whether it's realized or not, doesn't go the same way that it did X period ago. So if I knew, if you go out to old newspapers, right, and you see that, okay, I could have bought a burger and it was 50 cents. Everybody knows today 
even on the lowest tier. So we're talking not even Jack in the Box because they got rid of theirs. But in the old days, right, of the McDonald's dollar menu, okay, it's a dollar for a cheeseburger, which is not a dollar anymore. Okay, it's already double the lowest point of what it used to be. That's inflation. There is some necessary inflation that's going to happen as time passes simply because of the passage of time and the advancement of technologies. As, they, as we increase salaries, as we build new tools, there's going to be some necessary inflation, right? We expect this. When you have crypto or stock or anything else, this also has a form of inflation inherent to it because if you have, let's say, $1,000 invested into Bitcoin, so you have a portion of it, but you don't have a single coin. You just have $1,000 as a stake. That's your bag is $1,000, all Bitcoin. And this entity over here has, let's say, $10 billion worth of Bitcoin. That's a lot of coins. If they sold half of theirs, they're going to have a significant impact on the Bitcoin's overall price. Thus, your stake might go down to like $400, right? $400, $500 because of their action to them. Think about this. To them, they lost $5 billion, but they're still sitting on $5 billion. So they're not, they haven't lost significant amounts of wealth. They still have significant amounts of wealth when you compare it to the other 99.998% of the population that doesn't have that much in there. For you, you just lost 50 to 60% of your bag in this thing, and it might have been all you had with respect to your investments. That's why the diverse portfolio strategy makes better sense is to distribute your risk so that if any one tanks, you're still kind of buffered against it. You could have it where all of them tank, but that's why you want to consider stable coins as part of your portfolio to help stabilize the value and then look at certain assets that are low in their value and in their market cap because they're not going to have those wide swaths of loss. So once you master that strategy and you think about it, it means that Bitcoin's volatility being directly correlated to the way the stock market works, we can only describe it as somebody is using Bitcoin value and assets when they sell out and then they're going to the stock market or vice versa. They'll take market money from the stock market and they'll shift it over to Bitcoin. You're robbing Peter to pay Paul. Meanwhile, you as a lowly retail trader are trying to find a way to generate some wealth to get to some standard, but you're constantly being impacted by factors outside of your control. That's what's happening with Bitcoin. That's the reason why the Bitcoin price is now struggling because those big players are kind of holding cold to see, okay, what the heck's going to happen with this regulation? What are they going to say in Congress? Are we going to start passing laws immediately? What are the Democrats going to do? And so they're sitting on things. If something is talked about, like the idiot, uh, Janet, whatever her name is, from the Federal Reserve, or from whatever form she's with, she comes out and she says, all right, we're going to pass a law that's going to say we need to put halts on trading and volatility. Okay, then the thing's going to tank, I promise you. <laughs> and it's probably going to go back down to 30 grand, at which point you should buy the dip because it'll eventually rebound back up to a point. Now, the whole El Salvador and other countries adopting Bitcoin as kind of a currency that is now acceptable will mitigate some of the damage, meaning I don't think it'll ever go back down to like $1,000 or anything. But I also think, personally, I think that 60000 50000 40000 is way overpriced, grossly overpriced. I think that a lot of the price movement is perceptive. I've talked about price. It's basically a perceptive price. It's not like there's any tangible, real reason why it should be that price other than sentiment, people's sentiment that it should be. 
And that's what's made the government nervous is as people FOMO into the sentiment, they start losing when either through scam or through their own ineptitude. And so now people get freaked out and they say, okay, I don't, I don't, we don't understand this. So we have to regulate it to stop people from losing money and, and protect them from themselves, right? Because they're too stupid to understand what that is. Now, let me boil all this down into a center in terms of a call to action for you. Number one, I still think that Bitcoin is a strong investment. I still think that Bitcoin is something that has value for people that want to generate wealth. However, in its current form, Bitcoin is by and large for the super wealthy. This is fact. We cannot refute it. By and large. It doesn't matter that you can buy $100 worth of it now because that $100 at most might end up to be, you know, what, $300. So, okay, that, that got something, but think how many years it's going to take you to do that. You are better served by a more diverse portfolio of at least 10, 5, 10, 15, 20 different assets, all of which are generating wealth for you in addition to the stock market, in addition to real estate, in addition to bonds, and and even commodities like gold, silver, copper, I think you should have a significantly diverse portfolio so that no one of them can tank you, no one of them is going to enrich you, but collectively they are adding value to your pot. And if you're you know, kind of in your 30s and your 40s, I would advocate you start looking at it now, like urgently, even if it's like your discretionary money, give up smoking, whatever you got to do, but put your discretionary money to this stuff because I do think you're going to run out of time. It, a lot of these are just time. They, they take a long time. If you're listening to this and you're 18 to 25, I'm imploring you right now, get some money in some of these investments and just sit on them and don't stare at the graphs. I know it's hard, but don't stare at the graphs. Maybe you turn on notifications, but they're going to mislead you. So I'm, I'm encouraging that you do invest in some Bitcoin. Just don't treat it as the be-all, end-all. We're past those days. You're not going to get rich. If you're not rich now, you're not going to get rich off Bitcoin unless if you tossed, you know, 10000 20000 30000 40000 whatever against it. And if you have that much money to throw against cryptocurrency, I would not consider you broke or poor or in the category of who I'm talking about. By all means, invest in it. I just would not YOLO into it. Spread that money out. Get into a bunch of different projects, even the ones that are so-called meme coins, even the ones that are so-called shit coins, even the ones that are so-called, you might think they're scams, quote-unquote, but they really aren't scams. The ones that it's like you don't know why they're performing, but they're performing like Dozilla, right, and Rich Quack. And then just as part of a totally diverse portfolio, just make sure that you're going all in on it at a spread, not any one project is all I'm really saying. Now, let me close out today. <laughs> there is somebody on Coindesk. Coindesk.com is a site where you can see, they have a lot of uh, opinion pieces and a lot of coverage about crypto in general, but there was an opinion piece that I want to talk about that it kind of made me smile because there's a lot of, if you remember, I gave an update about another opinion piece and they were criticizing cryptocurrency and I said that crypto isn't your problem. Your problem is proof of work. And your, your beef is legit with crypto work, proof of work, crypto. But you're, you're veering off into liberal land by just attacking all these other things that have nothing to do with what you're talking about. And I'm going to talk to this guy that did this article and just tell him, hey, look, you know, there's another one, you know, because there's a lot of these, these liberals that all they're doing is attacking technology without really understanding what it is, the potential that they're going to do. That's what got us to where we are now with Bitcoin is people disproving and disbelieving. And I don't know why the, I do know why, 
but I'm disappointed, I guess, at the amount of liberalism that has created such an antagonistic view of cryptocurrency as a technology and nobody willing to embrace it for what it is and what it could be and what it could help people do. But you also have to understand that there are people out there that only blindly follow whatever the government, whichever government you live in, tells them. And that's sad because the government will tend to manipulate information to suit whatever their bias happens to be. In the United States right now, we are subject to a democratic government by and large. In a democratic government, their goal is to make people dependent on government services, social services. That's what they want to do. They don't believe you should really have to work. And if you do have to work, they think that the billionaires that run the company should just hire you out of the goodness of their heart and that there should be wealth distribution on the free and that IRS should just take all the billionaires' money and everything else whether, rather than trying to fix the reasons why people are not able to generate wealth in the source states on themselves, which is better laws to prevent people from getting fired, better laws to protect people from, you know, things like employers that are, let's say an employer who refuses to let you work from home, doesn't give you a reason why, there should be protections for that. Let's, let's increase employee protections rather than just attacking billionaires, because attacking billionaires will never work. It's never worked. So when I see these kind of articles that are talking about the, the social, let's do social services and let's get rid of crypto mining because it's killing the environment and we should focus on this and it's all this fluffy stuff and let's tax the billionaires and we hate Trump. And I mean, at the, at the end of the day, the only logical answer, truly, if you think about it, is that we have to fix the reason why people cannot generate their own wealth. What we've done over the past, let's say, 20 years as introduce things that have made it harder for people like you and me to generate our own wealth. That's why there's a rise in consulting. That's why there's a rise in small business. That's why there's such a thing as the quote, great resignation is because people are starting to wake up to the truth, which is we should be able to generate our own wealth. We should not be dependent on other people to generate wealth for us. When I had employees for a company that I, I the company's still running, but it's not actively employed anybody. When I had employees for that company, my goal was to mentor them and develop them to a point that they could then start up their own business at some point later, because I don't want them to be dependent on me or anybody else for the long term. I also don't want people to think that we can just run on solar panels and wind farms and we don't need electricity and we don't need all the stuff that is ingrained in our society and that we stop pointing the finger at cryptocurrency and the when really the truth is that our beef is around proof of work and we're not acknowledging that we're trying to fix proof of work. We're trying to get rid of that. We're trying to move the proof of stake. Proof of stake doesn't have anywhere near the level of so-called climate impact that proof of work does. However, certain people are impatient with this. That's why you got certain people talking about farting cows in the Green New Deal when they don't understand. Meat is part of our society, right? It's there's nothing wrong with it. It's part of the food groups that the very same government has been broadcasting to our school system for decades. So things take time to think through and change, and we should not create artificial urgency, and we should not point finger at cryptocurrency and get all upset and in a tizzy and try to get rid of things that actually have an opportunity to enrich people like you and me. Cryptocurrency has that opportunity. It has the opportunity to make regular people generate wealth for themselves, which has an opportunity to restore us to a world of generational wealth, which has the opportunity to get us back from a society perspective away from 
reliance on social services. It has the chance to help cure poverty. It has the chance to help cure homelessness. It has the chance to help cure people who go hungry in other countries. There was a story of a guy the other day who had invested in, I believe it was SHIB. He had invested in SHIB, and he's in one of the third world countries where, you know, just making $20 a day is considered good for them. But he has an opportunity to make a lot of money, and he took a little bit of his cash and put it in the SHIB in the hopes that at some point he will make so much money that now he doesn't have to be in that poverty situation. Consider this on a country scale. And this is why I've adamantly said our governments, and I'll put plural because the vast majority of them are the same way because they follow the United States and their broken thought process. Our governments, their mind is we need to, we, we have to help you. you. You can't help yourself. You're not smart enough to do it yourself. You can't control it by yourself. We have to get involved. We have to provide these services. We have to do this for you. Instead of what it started as, which was in the back days, no, we just need to enable you to generate your own wealth. In the 20s and the 30s and the 40s, you were enabled to own land. You were enabled to buy property. You were enabled to start businesses. You were enabled to have a newspaper. You were enabled to do your own way to generate wealth. And as a result, we had a strong, strong society during the industrial age. But then later, because of the failings of past governments, we have created a chaotic, now we have debt up to yin-yang, and we created a chaotic look at how success is defined. We have forced people to think that having excessive wealth is the definition of success because everything now is expensive and everything costs a lot, which is a byproduct of inflation, which is a byproduct of the way our government has run the country, which is all symptomatic of when we decoupled gold from the United States dollar. And we opened up this freedom of printing instead of keeping the constraint that would have been there and keeping us in control. And then there were other byproducts, things like population growth and so on. All of this I'm saying, cryptocurrency can help solve a lot of these problems. Cryptocurrency can help so many different people, but we have to embrace it. We have to understand it. We have to take the time to really wrap our heads around it. It's not even about being intellectual. I would consider myself an overthinker myself. I think, frankly, I've said it. I just said it on this one, that I, I do believe that the value of crypto is grossly overstated, but I understand the calculations and the methodology of why it's that way. I do want to see that there's more to it. I do want to see more protections around it, but I don't want to see it choked. I don't want to see it cut off. I want to see people have that process to enrich themselves. And I would like to see our governments tell people this is a way to enrich yourself so that you don't have to rely on social services so that we can get rid of so many social services and we can decrease our tax burden on everybody else and we can stop squawking about these billionaires because guess what? You just made a million dollars and you live in a place where a house costs you 87000 Now you are in the definition of wealthy and now everybody is paying their fair share because everybody's paying the same rate. Certain people know how to exploit these deductions better than others, but the effective rate is eventually the same. That's where we should be pushing. We should be advocating to make sure that we are not trying to tell people, no, we want you to take care of all these, take advantage of all these social services and put a, a strain on our governments. No, we want you to make your own wealth because we think you can, and we will help you do that. That's the power of what crypto can do. Regulation is good if it's not going to choke the project. That's my key. 
as long as we don't choke it, I support regulation. But I know our government, at least, they're going to try to choke it because that's all they know to do because they don't really understand it. And frankly, they feel threatened by it. They feel threatened by anything that threatens the U.S. dollar. Here's the flip on this. The debit card arguably was a threat to the U.S. dollar, but the U.S. dollar is still here. You still transact it. You still understand it. You still use it. It's still ubiquitous. You can still get change. You can still get ATM machines. And that's not going to go away for the short term. Even if you were to introduce crypto at a wide scale, you're still going to have the concepts of fiat involved because our banking system is currently the system that is the predominant. Crypto won't take that over ever just because of the way that it's been ingrained in our society. Remember, it took hundred over 100 years for us to get to the point that we had what we have now. So why can we think that we can drop it in 10 years? Anyway, that's what I got to you today. I know that was lengthy, but I wanted there was a lot I wanted to just to kind of talk about and get off my head and kind of focus on because I do I do think that there's a lot changing and happening right now. A lot of conversations that are happening, some of them good, some of them not so good. But I also wanted to implore you to as always do your research and really learn about this stuff because there's a lot to know about cryptocurrency. The moment you think you know all of it, you're lying to yourself. You can never know everything about cryptocurrency. Don't feel bad that you don't know everything about cryptocurrency. I don't know everything about cryptocurrency. I'm learning right along with you myself as I do my own journey. And the stories I'm telling you are simply so that you are exposed to just how much is out there and how diverse this whole thing is, but also why it has so much potential and why we should treat it as the potential strong point for all these different things that we currently suffer under just poverty alone. We can solve this. Crypto can help us if we let it. If we don't let it, what does that say about us?